Helen, could you tell me a bit about what you do, uh, who you are and how you got into it? Okay, I'm a clinical psychologist and an academic. I'm a professor of clinical psychology at Royal Holloway University. Um, most of my working life has been spent focused on young people's mental health, adolescent mental health, and um, supporting people to become psychologically healthy into their adulthood. Um, I trained as a clinical psychologist at UCL, which is a six-year training, three years as an undergraduate and three years as a postgraduate, with some experience within the NHS thrown in there along the way. And I've been working um, in, in a university and NHS settings. Okay, thank Since you. Since I very qualified much. over 20 years ago now, <laughs> James, I'm sad yeah. to say. <laughs> well, I mean, it just means that you're more experienced now and hopefully amazing, even more amazing at your job. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, so, this is a really general question, but one I think that. Uh, that sometimes needs asking. So what, what does mental health mean to you? Okay, for me, it's about um, people being able to manage things that have happened to them mm -hmm. in a way that works for their sort of life goals. So often people with, um, who are struggling with mental health difficulties have had some adversity in their life um, or they've... Um, uh, they're struggling with a particular current issue, which maybe connects to some things that have happened to them um, previously. Um, and so makes it more difficult for them to cope with. Or they may have just like faced a trauma in their adult life and this is difficult. Mm. Um, so people who I think are struggling with sort of serious mental health problems, it's about how do they cope and be resilient in facing that adversity in a way that helps them meet their life goals you know how do you um still get up in the morning when you're not feeling so good yeah. uh, and you're not feeling so resilient how do you hold down your job um when you've just experienced a really significant loss in the family mm. um how, how do you manage that um and i think uh, it's about understanding that for people who are, are really struggling, it's, it's almost like sort of getting them back on track with their usual resources. Mm. You know, I, I hold the view that everyone has within them the resources to, yeah. the sort of resources within themselves. Sometimes they just need support in activating those. Okay, so with that in mind, what, what do you think constitutes good mental health? Um, what what are the kind of things that that I would I would need or or I I might be aware of um, when I'm when I'm when I'm sort of in a, in a good place or what well, what are some of the things I need to do to get to get to that place and maintain it over a long yeah, period of time? Yeah. Well, I suppose the first thing to say is that good mental health is not equated with just being sort of happy and fulfilled yeah, yeah. all the time um you know nobody is that nobody is happy <laughs> and fulfilled all the time everyone's struggling with different issues and you know that might be like working too much or um it, it might be struggling bringing up your kids whatever it might be there's there's different things along the way that will 
pull on your resources and, and make you feel like you can't cope at particular times. So it's, it's not for me about sort of being happy and fulfilled all of the time, but it's about being able to cope with those challenges in a way that you, like, I'm loath to word, use the word resilience, but there's some sense of just being able to sort of face challenges without them really pulling you you know put pulling on your resources so much and um that you that you feel empty yeah. and don't, don't have the charge to go um, i think re resilience is a really interesting one i read a book recently called grit um yeah. and and it it made me realize i, I look back on my own life at periods when and, and i think one of my shortcomings is, is a lack of resilience and, and it, i made me realize how important that is as a as an aspect of personality and aspects of one's character but it can also be learned and you can improve your yeah. resilience yeah and um you know it also comes with with practice yeah. <laughs> so you know the first time when you're younger and the first time you face these challenges um one if you've got someone stepping in and sorting out the challenges for you you don't develop your skills mm. to 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 um uh, to deal with them and and secondly uh if there are other things going on for you when you're younger that that just mean you you know you're coping with too much without the resources early on it means you don't have opportunities to be developing just usual coping strategies um and although sometimes psychologists struggle with that whole concept of grit i don't mind it i think there's something about um you know uh, um practicing building up your coping strategies um, when faced with ordinary life situations or really difficult life situations um, and um, you only get confidence through doing things what we know from uh, uh, work with anxiety and psychology is that you know when you're faced with a difficult situation that you're anxious you won't be able to cope with or that you're um, anxious you won't be able to manage some uh, stretching thing at work for example um, the worst thing you can do is avoid it you know the best yeah. thing you can do is is try it see how you get on have some skills in reflecting on how you've done what could you have done better what what um, what went well um, and then apply that next time and that develops your self-confidence which develops your resilience so yeah. I, I you know the 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 sometimes people get sort of stuck in that cycle of avoiding things that they don't think mm. they can manage that's so interesting you talk about avoidance because i was talking with our um cmo ian jordan who i think you, you you've met and he was talking about that that feedback loop of avoidance because you you're anxious about something so you avoid it and that just creates more anxiety and it's this sort of cycle and um, the only way to break that cycle is to, to sometimes just face these things head on. Just, just try it. And usually it doesn't go as badly as people predict. No. You know, it's not perfect. I mean, nothing you do the first 10 times is going to be anywhere near perfect. But, you know, whether it's in a relationship struggle or whether it's a work thing, you know, if you just sort of face it and reflect on it, how did it go? Be be. Um, critical of yourself but also remember to reward yourself and praise yourself for, for the things that you did well yeah I think that's really important sometimes just giving ourselves a pat on the back giving and themselves saying, well, 
uh, over the years I've seen people become more self-critical and less giving themselves less praise for what I would have mm. seen as brilliant achievements yeah but it, it seems like it could be quite it's quite an English thing isn't it or it could be um, a cultural thing to sort of beat ourselves up and 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 not be sort of self-congratulatory about things and actually sometimes you just need to yourself say to yourself well done you did really well yeah. not say oh that was terrible I could have done it better it seems quite American almost to be going around sort of saying I'm great at this or I did that yeah. really well but it's it's really healthy yeah you don't actually have to tell anyone else if you don't want to no. <laughs> you know you, just tell yourself. <laughs> you can just you can just tell yourself and um you know thinking about uh what what is good mental health sometimes it's just having that sort of inner voice inner reflection um and uh, uh a sort of positive voice to yourself and that's why I sort of mentioned adversity in people's lives because if they've gone through a really tough time or they've had adversity in their early childhood for example sometimes there's a lot of critical voices for them and mm. they need to counter that you know yeah okay thank you um how do you feel about the growing awareness of mental health in the UK obviously it's now it's a, it's, it's a big topic um government are really hopefully stepping up um people are talking about it in in ways that we hadn't done previously and as a professional in, in this industry how does how does this feel how does it does it sort of validate some of the conversations that you've been having over the last 20 years is it is it refreshing or do you feel that we've still got a quite a long way to go um i'm extremely pleased that conversations about mental health have become more socially acceptable um, part of the issue in offering people support as a professional 20 years ago was the the stigma of mental health you know if you had a sign on your door that said you know Camden mental health service people just didn't want to come in um, and saw it as a, as a very, very negative thing. And I think that prevented people getting the help that they ne needed early on and, and probably led to a lot of suffering for people. So in terms of tackling that stigma, I'm, I'm extremely grateful. And I've been involved in um, several um, uh, pieces of work in schools, trying to teach teachers about mental health, um, teach young people about mental health. We've developed an app so that they can use it in schools that gives them information that's evidence-based about mental health. And I suppose this connects to my slight concern about the public conversations about mental health is that um, I'm, I'm all for this being discussed in the open. I'm all for people who've experienced mental health problems connecting to each other through social forums. I think that's very valuable. But I just want to make sure that the resources and uh, information that people have about mental health is, is useful and valid and yeah. reliable. And um, some things that I've seen out there just do slightly concern me that that you know that's the wouldn't be the way mm. I'd framed it I've framed it or that's not the most useful treatment that's been recommended by someone so um, I think as long as we um, both people have experienced mental health and professionals work together on this it's a really valuable conversation yeah I mean you, you mentioned an app and, and we'll, we'll get on to what, what you do for your own mental health, but just a, a quick um, 
question about the sort of the, the business side of, of mental health. So obviously it's it's now huge business and the app store has tens of thousands of apps uh, yeah. from meditation to CBT and it's it's a, a multi-billion pound industry. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of meditation apps are, are worth over a billion dollars now. So at Better Space, we're, we're implementing it, which you helped on the, the QA process to make sure that we don't have uh, apps that, that are out there that, that aren't um, effective. But yeah. have, you, have you thought about um, the dangers of, of opening up this kind of area to, to people who possibly aren't professionals in, in this area and are in it to make money? Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, that's always been the case in healthcare since the time of the medicine men going round with <laughs> potions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. that's that's always the risk. I think all you can do is educate people and offer, um, as as professionals, offer you know uh, knowledge and share your knowledge in a way that's both accessible but but not watered down. Um, yeah too much so that it's so that it's not helpful what do you do for your own mental health and you don't have to be really specific but if there's anything that you you use like uh an app uh maybe um different types of exercise uh sleep routines we can we can go through them sort of one by one so how about um let's talk about apps is there anything that you you find particularly useful no, I don't use any particular relaxation apps okay. or or anything like that. Um, I do use sort of health monitoring apps so I can just keep a, an idea on my exercise levels because okay. for me, I think I know if I'm ex- stressed and extremely busy at work, extremely busy with the kids, that's the first thing that goes. Eating sleeping not so much sleeping actually but eating and exercise so I keep it's not a mental health thing but I I think the link between physical and mental health is really important so I would keep a track on my physical health um, because that's usually the first sign that I'm not taking care of my mental health okay (laughs) those things start to go yeah have you do you use a a tracker or something or do you just use the, the tracker on your phone I use the tracker on my phone. I use some food. I can't even remember the name of them. I use some food monitoring things to see what I'm eating. And I use um, uh, exercise things like couch to 5K or things that will just get me back into a bit of exercise if I've stopped. Okay. Um, Personally, I'm quite aware of my overuse of my phone and I see it with my wife is the same as well probably not as bad and it and I see it all the time and it causes it in our relationship it's a it's, a, it's a actually become a big source of, of argument when we might be watching telly together and I'll start looking at my phone yeah and, it, and it's really I'm beginning to notice this is becoming a real problem for me um, yeah. and I'm just I wanted to get your opinion on on one how you feel about um phone addiction let's call it that because it, it is it's it can it's a, a can be a, a drug like any other yeah and two about what you do to to uh lessen your exposure to your phone if, if you have a problem with with your your phone i don't know yeah 
yeah i think um anyone who's a busy professional struggles not to have an addiction to their phone mm. i'm also a parent of teenagers so <laughs> i'm facing setting that them up with good habits whilst battling against my own poor habits <laughs> at the same time so um we do have some strictish rules in the in the household about phone use um so we're not supposed to use the phone at all at the table so even if you're sitting like really eating at the table just on your own but there's no phones at the table rule and just so that you sort of eat and relax properly and um we have uh no phones in your room bedroom at night so we usually try and charge them elsewhere just so you're not tempted by bings and things and we try and impose for the children no not for ourselves um and no no phones for an hour before bedtime yeah okay. that is a uphill struggle and yeah. that, what's helpful about it actually is having some firm rules is that my children will try and impose them on me just as much as i'll impose them on them so you know i'm often at breakfast just quickly think oh i'll just check my emails you know while while they're eating mm. um and they'll say hang on it's no phones at the table that's great so they're holding you accountable too exactly I, like so I think it's quite helpful to have some firm rules i mean of course you're going to break them yeah. sometimes but i think it's like quite helpful mm. to just have some things in mind that you know would lead to being you know more healthy and i think what it's about is just making sure not so much for me reducing time on the phone but it's making sure i don't lose out on other activities that are important for my mental health like making connections yeah with my family having some time you know because other, because actually what happens at meal times is not just you eat your food is that you have conversations about what happened in the day and you debrief about the day and you slightly tell people about anything that was concerning to you mm. um so it's like a, a sort of time for in my with my kids anyway that's my time for mental health monitoring i'm seeing how did their school day go any problems with friends that i need to keep in mind yeah. uh any times they've got into trouble at school that they might want to tell me about <laughs> you know so if the phone's on none of that happens that's really interesting so it takes away our ability to connect uh on a on a on a real level with, with yeah. other people well, I think you've got to make time for that. You've got to make sure there are times for that. The phone will always interfere for that. So, yeah. um, what are the most important books that you've read? They could be they could be academic, but they also could be um, personal ones that you feel have made a, a real impact in your life. I don't know. Um, that's quite a hard question for me because mm. there's like um, some influential, uh, my, my area is like family therapy. So yeah. um, there's some quite sort of influential family therapy texts. But if I'm thinking about resilience, one of the most influential books I've ever read, uh, there's a couple actually, there was... Um, uh, Nelson Mandela's Long Walk to Freedom, 
but that mm. teaches you a lot about managing your own mental health, isolation, resilience, and leadership all in one book. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, the other thing, uh, I don't know why I'm interested in prisoners, because uh, that's not my area. But the <laughs> other thing was, do you remember, do you remember, um, what was his name, McCarthy? And do you remember all the people who were taken hostage? Um, I can't remember the name of it. I'm sorry, James. There was like three uh, people who were taken hostage in Iran or Iran. Yes. Uh, McCarthy was one of them. And they all wrote a book when they come out about how they managed. They were all struggling with mental health. Mm. And they all wrote a book about how they'd managed the isolation and what at that crucial time when they were really down, how did they cope with their just being with themselves? They were incredibly helpful books. Okay, so, I'm going to understand resilience. I'm going to check these find things it out. out. Yeah, I read I'll them find. a long time ago, but they've stuck with me. So <laughs> okay, I'm um, not into I'm not into any pop psychology no. things you'd want to put on your. No, well, I, look, I, 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 I want to put I want to put those books on the direct. Definitely, <laughs> Long Walk to Freedom for sure. That's a great shot. Um, is there anything you might recommend? Um, for mental health and spare moments because for me my go-to thing when I'm bored when I'm commuting or I'm waiting for a friend or I'm in the queue for something is I bring out news on my phone which as you can imagine at the moment yeah fills me with nothing but anxiety and depression yeah. uh, other people go to social media some people sort of look through photos I wonder if there's if there's anything that you you do in those moments that that might be more constructive than looking at social media um <coughs> i don't know i I'm, i feel like i'm supposed to be an expert on mental health which i am but <laughs> not always on my own mental health and yeah, that's, that's part that's of the fine. that's part of the issue um i think um what do i do I mean, you might you might just be sort of mindful, and you might just be taking in things around you, or no, talking to talking like, to strangers you know is what? really I, interesting. Yeah, I, I talk, I'm from the Midlands, so I talk to strangers all the time. Oh, that's great. Okay, well, that's yeah. something. That's I, more than I do. It, it, in London, nobody talks to strangers. No, no, no. In, no. The, in the Midlands, you'd be seen as socially odd if you didn't chat to the person next to them on the bus. It's a constant embarrassment yeah. to my family that I do it. I, I love so, it. <laughs> so I do do that. I would talk to to other people, have a conversation. Um, I watch other people. I don't mm. tend to look at social media. So my my kids are always telling me off for staring at other people on the tube. So I I'll, I'll, I'll observe other people's conversations and ponder a bit about their lives rather than just look at. But these are straight. I, mean, I obviously don't know these people. Um, rather than just look at sort of people who might my, slightly annoy me on social media. My wife does the same. She she watches people <laughs> and imagines a story for them. Yeah. So um, maybe that's what I do. Just to go back to your point about people from the Midlands. Uh, I I know it's not the Midlands. It's the North. But I was at university in Leeds, and I, I remember what was strike really striking for me as a southerner was that. 
people would talk to strangers. So when you got on the bus, you'd say hello to the bus driver. When you got off the bus, you'd say thank you very much, and you'd say ta love or, or whatever he said. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was. I still um, do that. I haven't lived there for thirty years, but I still do that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, it really is. Um, it really is different. Up there. So sorry. Um, okay, final couple of questions. Um, what are some of the things outside of your work that you feel enrich your life and give it meaning? It could be family, it could be being friends, it could be any, any sort of charitable causes that you're interested in, hobbies. Yeah. Um, I am a novelty cake baker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I like to decorate novelty cakes, and wow. I like to cook. Um, I like I, I like to do something creative like that, but I'm more on the craft side rather than amazingly artistic. Okay. So I'll do craft projects. I'm into politics, and so and I think. It's um, sort of inevitable if you're interested in mental health, particularly at the moment that you can't be into politics, but I'm generally interested in politics. Yeah. So I'll read about politics or currently go and do a bit of leafleting for the Labour Party. Um, I'll do something like that that feels I'm linked to, that, to my community. When I was younger and I didn't have kids, I did a lot of volunteering in my community, which... Um, when I had a bit more time which was incredibly helpful for me and in in so many ways so I uh, volunteered for um, two things a political charity overseas and um, a, a clubs for people with learning disabilities and it was just to see my position in the world in a different way and also to make social connections with people who are interested in the same things. I don't think I'd be where I am in my career now if it wasn't for that because it gave me confidence. It, it meant I was able to talk in groups, you know, um, I was organised, just everything as a, as a teenager that gave me really. That's really and it's nothing nothing to do with how much i studied for my gcses or a levels although no. i did i obviously had to do that as well but i think that's partly my concern about mental health going forward is that balance not between academic pressure and other activities that make people successful at work yeah. isn't isn't quite um isn't quite right at the moment yeah <laughs> Well, fingers crossed, we're, we're possibly in the direction, in the right yeah. direction, but who knows. Okay, I think that's probably all, about all we've got time for, Helen. Thank you so much. That was really, really great. And um, I'll let you know where and when. Yeah. Can I say two more things? Yeah, of course. So there was two things I wanted to say about people dealing with their mental health, which is uh, there's as much an importance of not doing things as doing something. So if you've had a life event like a bereavement, etc., that's time to take the pressure off yourself, not to cope with it, to just um, reduce the emotional demands, maybe reduce some aspects of your workload rather than feel you've got to plow on and you've got to be 
coping yeah. with this. And that, that's something I did with both sort of big bereavements I've had in my life. Mm. And the second is don't be afraid to go for some therapy. I've done that yeah. several points in my life, had some brief therapy, talking to someone else was really useful just to help me put things in perspective and get back yeah. on track with my usual coping methods. So I'd agree with both of those. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you very much, Helen. All right. So kind of you. Okay. Bye. bye.